Alright, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. I'm Nathan, you can catch me on that social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Mark, you can follow me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Jason Kyle. Uh, listeners of this podcast might be interested in the Savage Land podcast because... Uh, wait, when is this coming out, this episode? Uh, should be... Or do you know a range? Like, is this like May or April? It'll be two weeks from now, so pretty much... Two weeks from now, okay. Today is... Uh, yeah, mid-April. Yeah, mid-April. Mid-April, okay. So uh, a few weeks after you hear this, uh, probably like I think three weeks after you hear this on the Savage Land podcast, we will be interviewing Patrick Gleason, who is the current uh, writer and artist, uh, both head writer and head artist on the uh, current Superman comic book for DC. So if you're a fan of Man of Steel and Superman in general, then you'll probably enjoy that interview. I'm extremely jealous. uh, you can also find me on Twitter. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) I can't remember. Yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at that might be cool. Batman and Robin? No. What else did he do? Pat- yeah, he yeah. Patrick Gleason did okay. uh, Batman and yeah. Robin in the New Fifty Two. Uh, he did like some Green Lantern stuff way back when they did the Sinestro Corps War. He's been kind of one of DC Comics' big artists mm-hmm. for a long time and has been doing writing since uh, Batman and Robin. So, uh, yeah, that's I fantastic. <laughs> I didn't want to be wrong. I was going to cut that out if I got that wrong, but I was no, like, I'm no, pretty you're, sure. No, right, you're, no right. you're fine. Pretty sure it's Batman. Yeah, it was, it was a good yeah. guess. It was the one that Grant Morrison yeah, did. So, right. uh, no, uh, Grant the, Morrison did yeah. Batman and Robin before that, yeah. and then he did Batman Inc. Yeah. yeah no, it was the New 52 version. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Cool. Um, yeah. Today. Yeah. So tune in if you like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have that. Yeah. My jealousy is through the roof right now. <laughs> Try to contain myself. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about minute number 58. Uh, minute 58 starts with Jonathan Kent looking on his family as he is engulfed in some sort of a... Uh... Yo, he dies. Yeah, yo, he dies. And uh, the minute ends <laughs> with Perry White uh, ripping Lois Lane a new one. So yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, he's later really on. Uh, really scolding her at the end of this minute for uh, she uh, leaks yeah. her story to Glenn Woodburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, Woodburn. So here's where I kind of wanted to go into with the last minute, um, because Jonathan Kent has died in this minute. He, you know, he dead and gone. But like, what's his history of death in Superman lore? Do we know? Heart attack. We should know. Yes. It is heart the attack. infamous heart attack. Um, yeah, it's something that Clark was unable to stop, had absolutely uh, no choice in, came suddenly, and despite all of Clark's powers, he was unable to do anything about. Uh, that was both in the comics and in the Richard Donner movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone was expecting that or wanted that to be. Um, I think it was controversial. I think people found out about the tornado scene before the film came out, and I think a lot of people wanted it to be changed. Um, but it stayed in the film, and not too a lot of people were happy about. Um, the, I guess everyone wants the heart attack thing because they they feel like that's what makes Superman. Superman is is that tragic moment in life where he he realizes there is something that he can't do, um, which um, I have a lot of questions about. One right off the top of my head is, uh, do you think? Like All Star Superman could not stop a heart attack because I feel like a super definitive Superman should be able to be like 
because then it goes back to like all powerful versus all good superman like is it is it this one or is it that one like because an all-powerful superman could be like yeah i know how to stop a heart attack you just like yeah, well, that's what I was going to well, ask. How do you stop? How do you think you would stop a heart attack? I'm not Superman, so I wouldn't know. See, what do you mean? Like punch the chest yeah, harder I or think something? <laughs> poke him in the chest. Done. Yeah, I, I, I think that there. I don't think there's ever been a, a version of Superman, even in All Star Superman, where he's at the height of his power. He's you know been Superman for so long, and he's sort of like the the most powerful he could ever be. I don't even think that that Superman could stop a heart attack. Yeah. No. A heart not, attack is something that. Yeah, it, I'm not that, saying. That's why they gave yeah. Jonathan Kent a heart attack because it's something that you can you you can't really think about stopping it. I um I think yeah, exactly. I think of Superman as all good and not all powerful. So I I don't think he would really be able to stop a heart attack. Um, but this film is a little bit different, obviously, in the way it treats Superman uh, because it's trying to do something new and different and. At the same time, be very exciting and whatnot, and uh, I, I, you know, a Superman that haven't, we haven't really come across too often. It's really trying to break the mold here, and um, something that we've lately discovered about um, this Superman is that he's the, the kind of theme or um, a really big issue that's that's brought up in in these films is is the the power of choice and and choosing uh what happens and dealing with the consequences um after that so cause and effect no um more like yeah maybe um so why introduce the heart attack scene if clark doesn't have a choice on what to do about it so in a film like this where everything is driven by choices and consequences um they they instead uh, roll with this tornado, which is kind of what I wanted to question is, of all things, why did they choose a tornado? Um, and here we here we see, you know, Jonathan Kennett telling Clark, like, don't try to save me. Um, just kind of worry and protect the people un- under the overpass and your mother and worry about yourself. And, like, just know that, like, when you make decisions, there are going to be consequences. Um so I feel like that's why they went with this hurricane rather than the heart attack because the heart attack, uh, I hate to use this word, but it kills his you know his power of choice um, because there's nothing he can do about it. Uh, we see this in the sequel to this film, Dawn of Justice, where uh, Jonathan Kent talks about saving the Lana Lang farm, um, but then dealing with the consequences of you know the horses dying. So yeah, they saved the Kent farm, but then the Langs farm flooded. Oh, okay, my bad. It's okay. Um, so that's <laughs> what we're trying. That's what we, as an audience in Superman, we're supposed to learn and get out of this. Is that you know your choices have consequences, and you always have to try to do the right thing and be the best uh, person that you can be, but just know that you can't do everything. Um, so it kind of I, I see it as like. I, I know people want the heart attack scene, which sounds morbid, but it's like I'm okay with the tornado scene. I don't think it. I don't think it um, ruins anything. Uh, I think it, it paints things in a new light uh, for what Clark Kent Kal-El has to deal with. Um, what do you guys think? Should I kept the heart attack? Um, me personally, I've never been phased by the death of Jonathan Kent. I know I'm a big Superman fan. And I know that's probably wrong to say, but honestly, 
uh, if his parents die, his parents die. And I'm a fan of a conflicted character like Superman and him having to deal with the death of his parents. How you kill them off, that's to the writer, in my opinion. Like, go ahead. I don't even care if you keep the heart attack or lose the heart attack, whatever. Kill the parents off, kill the parents off. Make Clark, you know, come to grounds with what he's having to deal with. I, uh, and I, I do, I do see your point there. Um, for me personally, I would have rather had them keep, cause they, they clearly tried to, you know, to do something different here. And, and, uh, and it's, it is very interesting. I would have preferred that they either keep the heart attack or do something that Clark can't prevent so that he understands that he's not a God, that he's not somebody who, you know, is capable of doing whatever he wants and it's just up to him to choose whether or not he wants to do it. I kind of, I, I like a Superman who understands his limits and the things he can't do, but is always striving to save people whenever he can and, and do the right thing. And mm-hmm. in this moment, it's, it's just, it was, it always played as interesting to me because it didn't feel like he was doing the right thing or that Jonathan Kent was instructing him to do the right thing. It was more about doing the thing that would protect him. And so it was a more uh, self-protecting motivation than a self-sacrificing motivation on Clark's part because, you know, because it's, it's basically not saving a a life, not saving somebody because saving them would put your own sort of life, you know, life or well-being at risk. Um, and so for me, for me, I would have preferred the heart attack or something else that was unpreventable from Superman's part. You know, whether it was, it could have even been, you know, Jonathan dying in a car accident while Clark wasn't around or helping, you know, Martha back on the farm or something like that. Um, but that's, that's my preference. And, and I know that, you know, especially with a character like Superman that's so iconic and has been around for a long time, everybody can have their own preferences and interpretations because that's what's going to happen with a character that's been around for you know, 75 or more years. Um, and so, you know, everyone's Superman's different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get, I guess I see the, uh, him not being able to control the situation and the addition of a tornado and a natural disaster because it is a force of nature and you can't as a person stop that. So it yeah. kind of relates to the heart attack in that way, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I think it would have been cool if he had been like, if Clark had been saving people, had been like running back and forth, you know, and maybe not even using his superpowers, but like going and saving people and helping more people out of their cars. And then Jonathan Kent got swept up in the tornado while he was doing that, and so it was almost like he had to make the choice between, you know, continuing to save those people and going to get Jonathan Kent or like something like that. I thought would have been an, an interesting way to play out with the tornado. Um, it just felt like with this one where he's just standing there not doing anything, kind of it felt super weird to me personally. Yeah. I think um, that could have worked where he had to choose between saving, like maybe maybe saving the girl or saving Jonathan Kent at the same time. Like maybe he was like, oh, like I can yeah. only do one. And like this girl's right next to me and Jonathan Kent's all the way down there. Yep. Jonathan Kent was just like, you know what? Just do you. I'll, I'll be fine. And just like get swept up and then, you know. Um, exactly. But I do think, and that is kind of the struggle of Superman is who to save and when, and you know, like because oftentimes the biggest sort of struggle for him is like not whether or not to save people, like it kind of is in in this movie in in some degrees, but like who that you save, you know, when you have to 
make that choice when there's n- when it's not possible to to save everybody mm-hmm. how you decide who to save and who not to save you know yeah yeah and i was gonna uh say that i think that here in this film they um they're trying to more more or less like um say that uh question should he not can he in which a lot of and like with the heart attack scene that would be more of like a a can he do it uh which he can't do it which is why jonathan kent dies by heart attack but like here they want it to be more like the should you um and so i see like maybe that's why they this scene played out the way it did um i do agree that maybe they, they could have done it um in a more convincing way i feel like I, I just feel like the more we look at it the more it just seems like they, they could have gotten around to fixing certain things so i i don't like uh, uh i don't like downing on something when someone can easily just say well that's how the movie like that's how they wrote the story like that's how the movie like if he didn't die then clark wouldn't be who he is and like it's like it's just a movie man just like be okay with it but it's like it just seems like the more we look at it <laughs> that they could have done the same thing i'm not saying that he could have saved jonathan Kent. i'm just saying like they could have let him die in a more convincing way um yeah so yeah so i'm not trying to fight the plot here i'm just trying to seek a better method of doing it um but yeah absolutely I do got to be honest, though, uh, his death is uh, not very believable either. Um, and, yeah. Here, I'm, I'm what do you mean? You were the one talking about how giant this tornado was. Yeah. So why is he standing, <laughs> on, the, why is he standing on the ground? Yeah. It's so weird that he's just, like, standing there as, like, the, the visible winds of the tornado are sweeping him up. And he's yeah. not at all, like, shaken by it or anything. He should have been like an old man, just like me, and like throwing around like a paper ball across the floor. Like, yeah, he would have like been impaled by all this debris hitting him. Like, some I don't know. He yeah. just kind of he disappears like a magician. Yeah, he had that. He had that bad uh, Kent family ankle still ailing him. So of course he wasn't going to be able to keep his footing. Like he was. Yeah, he would have gotten swept up. Yeah, I I agree. Um, that actually brings me to one of my bullet points that I have. Um, we've talked about him having the power of seeing the the life aura around around mm-hmm. people and, and mm-hmm. whatnot um if this character in this universe has that i'm sure that's what he was noticing as uh the tornado engulfed his father but i always thought that he was using some version of his x-ray vision to see through the winds and the debris and how his reaction of uh you know the the shouting out at the end of the minute um is kind of reflecting on him seeing his father get torn up or like super piece hearing. by piece. Maybe he just stops like the, he hears the pulse stop. It could be. I mean, see, that's see that that's a little more tamed. I was going way more morbid where they he should've... sees the skin being ripped off of him. He sees him being impaled by multiple tree okay, limbs this isn't and everything. <laughs> but like, what if, like, instead of just pure silence, what if you just heard the heartbeat and it was like racing and climbing and climbing and then like it and just, then just like, stopped, just like dead? Silence. That would have been a, that'd, that'd be really cool. Yeah, would have been cool. That would have been terrifying. Or you know, for him to deal with something <laughs> like that, like you can hear your father's heartbeat. Yeah, which I think is like he has yeah. the proper reaction. That'd be unsettling uh, later on. So I think he has a great reaction. Um, and I I really wrote this note down, but him yelling out, "Dad." 
Yeah. Like, of all things to yell out. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, coming back or looking back at the minutes that we just covered where, you know, they're having this argument. It's like, you're not my real dad. And it's like, yeah. it's like I don't want to be with you. Yeah. And, like, and then, like, this happens and your word that you yell out is dad. It's like. it's Yeah, I like that like, a lot. It's that guy will always be his dad. Absolutely. You know, just like yeah. Martha can't always be his mother. And, you know, like that's such a great like no other word should have been said there like that's perfect like yeah i enjoy it no, that's and, fantastic and a uh, good performance by henry cavill there absolutely so yeah kudos now on that you're that. so now that you're talking about now that you're talking about the uh the heartbeat thing it's kind of like it's making me picture a scene in which they're both trying to save people from the you know from the cars and stuff and clark's going as fast as he can trying to grab other people and get them free of the storm and he sees you know he keeps looking over at jonathan saving people and he's like honing in to hear his heartbeat while he's going for these other people but like you know basically the entire time he's saving people he sees jonathan ken and is hearing his heartbeat and listening for it and so as he's saving more people he hears jonathan's you know heartbeat getting faster and faster and he's like it's okay it's okay you know like and it keeps getting faster keeps getting faster and it's like he's saving that last person getting him to the overpass and then all of a sudden the heartbeat that's just been going rapid fire just stops right as he turns around to go and grab Jonathan or something like that would be amazing. Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I got I, the mental image that you were just, you know, painting for us there. Yeah. Like that was, nice see, picture. that'd be even way more, uh, yeah. horror based, I guess. Yeah. Uh, on that aspect. Yeah, it'd like, be like that's, super unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. See, it's, we've it's seen so, a lot it's of that. just creepy. We've seen a lot of horror elements in, Snyder's film and in this film uh, especially, um, so I'm not opposed to that. Like I think that fits very well, and that probably is what we should have had. We should have had something like that. This just seems a little too. Um, again, I love this scene, and I think that it could have just been better. I don't want to get rid of it, like mm-hmm. a lot of people want to do, and, yeah. and like read. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, like definitely, um, just have some more movement with clark because clark just seems to um kind of give up not i don't know not give up it's just there's something that he could have been doing that caused him to make a tough choice and this seems yeah and you know i was just gonna say like one of the one of the central elements of a hero is that they they act you know what i mean like that's sort of a, a, a central integral thing of a hero is for them to act and this is a scene where he absolutely doesn't mm-hmm. so it's a little weird mm-hmm. which is fine i mean that that's also one an action is you know not doing an action that is still an act um but they i think they play too hard on the don't acting part to the point where it just seems like well you could have been doing something that you know yeah, yeah. and and then at the very end of it like then you then you have to make the decision that the best thing you could do is not act um so i think yeah. that that would have you know what? That actually that makes more sense to me now, um, because there's yeah there's... i i wouldn't I wouldn't be advocating like removing this scene or anything like that because I think that this scene is very powerful. I just like I would definitely rather have it reworked a bit. Yeah, I think the emphasis of this moment right here is not acting, but there's too much not acting that it dilutes it. So he should have been acting more during this uh, event. And then right at the end, he just says, you know what? I got to listen to my dad. Don't do anything. Yeah. And then that would have been a little bit more powerful. Would have been like, oh, wow, he he chose not to do something. So I think yeah, that would have helped a lot. 
Um, well, I'm glad I came to that. Cause That's I, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. Now you're realizing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this brings us back to Lois Lane and Clark. At, Hang on. I'm whoop. sorry. Oh. We're... I have one more thing about this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so if Jonathan, with the famous Kent family weak ankles, and, and knew that his demise was coming in this exact moment as he's looking up <laughs> at his family and as he's telling his son to stop, and he's still having that with him gesturing him to stop – kind of brings around that 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 fact that we get that the world isn't ready for you know people to see his uh, his son's powers if this isn't the moment like you being the father being the parent of this guy and you know on the verge of of certain destruction doom death if you will if this isn't the point in time where you would want your kid to use his powers um when did jonathan think that it would be a good time for him to use his powers. That's a great and question. I don't know if that's saying it, like if that's such if that's a selfish way to look at it. That's from a, Jonathan no, that's Kent's eyes. That's a great question because a lot of people ask that question about this scene. It's like, well, when did you? Want, yeah, you know. Um, I mean, it, it yeah. does seem selfish, but still, it just begs that question: When should, in your eyes, Jonathan, when should have Clark used his powers for the public? Do you want to take a stab at it first, Jason, or should yeah. I? <laughs> um, I was going to say... I, uh, oh. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say that, you know, because it is his own life in peril, that's why Jonathan doesn't want it to be this time. Because it's just him. He's like, yo, I, you don't... You don't got to save me. Yeah, I get it like, for, like, the greater good of all mankind. Well, and, it's like if it was a girl out there and Jonathan Kent was in the overpass, he'd be like, yo, you got to save that girl. You Do know? you think? Yeah. But he told him not to save the busload of kids that was drowning. Yeah, but maybe he learned from that. We don't know. I just know because it's him, I feel like he would be like, listen, man, don't worry about me. Because this whole time he's been, like, this selfless guy. He's just like, oh, I'm just trying to make sure everyone gets, you know, safe. Like, don't worry about me. I Saved the dog. I broke my foot. I'm I'm gone already. Just like let me go. But if it was like the tiny girl there, I'd say go and save the dog. I don't know. This I don't know. My opinion, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I and that's this this is where I feel the central flaw with with Jonathan Kent is in this movie because I feel like Jonathan Kent's biggest desire is a for Clark not to. Uh, to ever use his powers, and B, for Clark probably not to ever uh, find out his, you know, alien lineage, and it's and it's all out of fear, and he kind of, you know, he talks to Clark a bit about that when he shows him the, the spaceship and stuff like that, but it kind of just seems like, you know, Jonathan doesn't want Clark to keep digging deeper on a lot of things and just wants him to act like he's a, a normal boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That yeah. like I think I think that that's just like kind of a central flaw with Jonathan Kent because he, it feels like he doesn't want Clark to be, uh, to be a hero or to be a symbol or to be like, you know, a, a sort of, like to be a very uh, influential person. He just kind of wants him to live a quiet life. I mean, it's a it's a great question to have of like, well, when is the perfect time to kind of reveal yourselves? Maybe there isn't. Maybe there maybe there is. Um, 
lot of people had that question about about this scene in particular. So you're not alone in having, you know, thoughts of like, well, when is the perfect time? Um, I don't know when the perfect time is. And maybe, yeah, maybe uh, Jonathan Kent did want him to just suppress it for as long as he can and just kind of live a normal life because he views that maybe if you just worry about what's around you and not try to save the world and, any, and everything, like maybe you'll just end up living a better more uh safer life but you know maybe that's not the right thing to do um and that's why when Joel comes in he offers a very different point of view but you know that it's important that those two different fathers have like those two different viewpoints so you're not just getting the same values throughout the film from everyone so yeah I don't know. of course yeah i'd love to hear what other people think of you know when it, i don't know I'd have to see what what everyone else thinks about this scene. We'll ask around. <laughs> but yeah, now it brings us back to current time. Yeah, Lois modern talking. time. Yeah. Lois yeah. Lane, Present Clark day. Kent, in front of Jonathan's grave. Um, and he says, I let my father die because I trusted him. Um, and he was convinced that I had to wait. Uh, the world, uh, that the world was not ready. Um, for you know him to kind of reveal himself to the world uh but he does say what do you think and i gotta uh, you know sh- she agrees in my opinion because again with the nonverbal acting uh her facial expressions are a you know a kind of like a looking down almost like you know what you're right maybe it is time to wait like maybe it's you know because she knows that the world is not ready for this which is why she wanted to publish it because it's like people got to know about this. Like it'll, it's going to be crazy. It's going to like make headlines. It's like it's a fantastic story. People are going to want to like learn about this alien that that exists in scout ship and whatnot. And like he has these superpowers, and it's like, and he has to like put the brakes on her and be like, "Yo, yeah, reality check, lady. I'm a person. I have a family. My dad died trying to protect this. Um, and he thought, and I trust my dad." And he thought, like, you know, the world is not going to, you know, they're not going to respond too kindly about um, the idea of gods and monsters. So she's just like, you know what? You're right. So. Um, so, yeah. So she, um, not defeatedly, but she agrees. Yeah. You know, which. The- I, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you know, I, I like the, the sort of scenery and the mood that they, they painted in this scene. Um, I will say, though, that Clark looks really goofy with that <laughs> hat on. Yep. Like, yep. It, it doesn't fit. He's like this beautiful, like, you know, like gorgeous sort of like polished up man just like wearing like the, I don't know, the clothes that like I, I don't think Henry Cavill has ever worn a hat like that in his life. Um <laughs> Or a shirt like that, to, to be perfectly honest. Like, it just, it looks so weird. It's a goofy uh, hat. It's, it's such a, a yeah. beat up hat. It's, it's, like, it's like his clothes reflected uh, what he looked like prior to him being on the scout ship and to finding that super razor for him to shave his face and to get the cleaned up <laughs> hair and all that stuff. But, like, it seemed like that's, like that's the outfit that they were trying to convey, like the whole ruggedness of him. But, like... Yeah, I don't know if they realize like, oh, he's all cleaned up now. He he kind of put the suit on. He did his thing. 
Mm-hmm. This is what he's supposed to look like now. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. He looks like a gardener. He's like he's too. Yeah. He's like he's too clean shaven, too pretty to to like be wearing like these haggard, you know, uh, dirty kind of destroyed clothes. Like anybody wearing like a distressed baseball cap like that is gonna at least have some five o'clock shadow going on. Exactly. Yeah. Normally. He he pulls it off uh, when he's in British Columbia, and he's like the way he's dressed up there. It's like it's very like on point. It's very like yeah, you rock that like. Uh, like yeah i'm about that wardrobe right there this yeah. um maybe it's supposed to be like that but that hat is goofy and i hate hats like that it's just like this flimsy yeah. piece of cloth that you just like plop on your head and it's like uh time to time to feed the cattle or something I don't I don't know. Know. let me be <laughs> yeah. inconspicuous and the, the but sh- also let me wear a hat yeah and he's got like four buttons unbuttoned on that shirt like it's like a fabio level open just like look at my entire chest type of shirt like i feel like he could have could have buttoned it up a little bit and maybe it would have looked uh, a little more normal but there's a lot of chest showing in that shirt <laughs> you have to right <laughs> for the ladies that's super cleavage <laughs> yeah he's he's like, like, i mean he does have very impressive pecs if i had pecs like henry cavill's then i'd probably wear you know like 10 buttons unbuttoned on my shirts all the time but he's like hey you know, i don't so i don't <laughs> yeah he's a like, hey, lady you don't want to publish that story <laughs> <laughs> um uh this brings us probably what he does to get out of tickets too yeah Yeah. absolutely this brings us to (laughs) um and the next scene in this minute um so we're back at the daily planet uh audio cues the phone is ringing sorry oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um there you go another good audio cue yeah right um because they don't have phones in kansas so (laughs) Yeah, that's how you know no, we're not. Nobody's in Kansas. ever had a phone there. That's yep. how you know we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> um, so we're in the Daily Planet. Lois Lane is all dressed up. She's ready to go to work. As soon as she goes to work, this dude called Steve Lombard is just so ecstatic and excited to see that Lois Lane is about to get, you know, just decimated by Perry White because they found out about her leaked story to Glenn Woodburn. I know. So he's yeah, just a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk. Do um, you- but I have do you some... guys uh do you guys watch House of Cards? I was yeah. Um I don't, but I was <laughs> uh I did find out that he uh yeah, he's in House of Cards. Um so I did some Wait, some... hang on. He's the guy in glasses in House of Cards like he he uh-huh. looks like he's, he's he plays 30... Stamper. Okay, so like he looks like he's 30 years older now like in House of Cards than he does in This Man of Steel. Is that am I right in assuming that? I think everyone looks 30 years old. Yeah, older he he looks he looks a bit older in Man of Steel. Maybe not 30, but he does look a bit older. Uh Yeah, he plays he plays uh Kevin Spacey's right-hand man in House yeah. of Cards. Okay. Um mm-hmm. yeah. He's actually a really good actor in that show. It's like it's it's funny seeing him pop up in this movie cuz you know, it's kind of like a bit part where he just sort of plays like a generic kind of douchebag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, in in House of Cards, he's he's quite fantastic. He plays a really interesting, multifaceted character. Yeah, um, this character is Steve Lombard. I don't know if he's in any other Superman works, but I assume so because, like uh, most people in this movie, they they come from something. Uh, so this is Steve Lombard. He's a sports journalist for um, the Daily Planet. Uh, he's played by Michael Kelly in this film. Um, he's not in Dawn of Justice, uh, but that kind of makes sense now that you think about like how Clark Kent was tasked with um, journaling the, the sports, sports events and all, and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense now. Um, Michael Kelly is 
among all those other recurring actors in this film that have been in previous Zack Snyder works, and he was in Dawn of the Dead 2004. Um, he was also in House of Cards. He was in Adjustment Bureau. Um, and he was also in this movie called Changeling. The only reason I wrote it down is because his character is called Detective Lester Ibarra. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so cool. So <laughs> I thought, hey, I like that last name. Make that uh, connection there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah, he's not in Dawn of Justice. It's interesting. Um, so Steve Lombard in the comics was actually – so he was a sports journalist, but he was a former uh, quarterback for the fictional NFL team, the Metropolis Meteors, uh, before becoming a journalist. Um. Obviously, it does not look like Michael Kelly was uh, too much of a football player. He's but, a uh, he's a kicker. You know. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. They might have just altered it just a little bit, so he was a kicker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was until um, after this movie came out when they adopted him into the new Fifty Two incarnation of him, where he did his his comic book character did reflect the character that was seen in Man of Steel. If I'm not oh, mistaken on that, well, that's I'm, usually I'm, how it works. Yeah, they like they, Nick they changed Fury. it. Yeah, it, yes, exactly. So, um, but yeah, he does show up in Wally uh, West. <laughs> he does show up quite a bit in the the Superman um, New Fifty Two run, um, especially in the beginning when there was a lot more, uh, you know, Daily Planet presence for the mm-hmm. character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before um, he became a blogger at ClarkKentropolis dot com. Yep. Don't even get me started. It's a little deep cut for those New 52 fans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of the New 52. I was not the biggest fan of the beginning of Superman in the New 52. Action I'm, Comics was fantastic. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, Wait, I, yeah. Grant Morrison's Action Comics was really good. Yeah. Huh. But uh, I mean, a lot of people. It's just Superman did not have the traction in the beginning of the New 52. It was just. No. It, it was just uh, fucking everywhere. Sorry for that. No, it's but okay. It, was, it, it happens. <laughs> it just was, yeah, he, man. He was, like a, he was a bit of a dick. He was really brash, and, and there was no central like motivation or sort of goal for that book. And no. I think it also got screwed up because Grant Morrison wouldn't tell George Perez what he was doing in action comics, and so he had no idea like what he could yeah. and couldn't do until he turned his scripts in, and then they said, oh, no, you got to change that. Yeah. Um. So I mean that you know that caused things to help. So I don't I don't blame George Perez for it being so bad. And obviously George Perez is a, a comics legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that early Superman run was real rough. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. thing good I can say about it is that the Metropolis Commissioner in that book was modeled after uh, my old comic book store owner. Oh David? really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Commissioner Corporon uh, oh, was no the way. owner of my comic store. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> so. That's awesome. A little fun fact, George Perez, I've met with him multiple occasions. Yeah. Great guy. I'm jealous. Uh, don't be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm trying to think here, because I feel like every time we're at the Daily Planet, when we're doing this minute by minute, I feel like it always brings out the worst in us, because like... You like you just apologized for swearing, and it made me think like last time we were at the Daily Planet is when we were really swearing because we couldn't stand Lois Lane. Yeah, and now we're dealing with Steve Lombard, and it's so weird. It's like, man, these people are the worst, and Clark Kent works with these people. It's like, damn, I don't even like you guys. I don't even want to hang out with you guys. Yeah, so it's like maybe uh, 
maybe this is like this is you know Goyer and Snyder and Nolan like you know writing in all of the things that they hate about like journalists and reviewers and stuff like that. They're just trying to like air all their grievances about what a terrible world the world of journalism is, and you know sort of even the scores on all their critics. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know maybe about that. I like that. I'm going. I'll stick <laughs> with that. I'll back that. Comment. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe you know journalism is kind of a, a dog eat dog world. You know. Because they're kind of laughing at each other, getting you know chewed out by Perry White, and then Lois Lane is also like, "I'm gonna do whatever I want, and I'm gonna leak the story if like you don't publish it." And so it's like, maybe that's just what journalism is really like for those (laughs) those places that really want to get like good stories out there, and not just um, panko covered covered like cream cheese and deep fry like Buzzfeed. You know? I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed like Steve Lombard <laughs> was just such like high school mentality. Like, ooh, teacher's gonna get mad at you. He sat up on the desk with his, you know, legs all up and was like laughing and smiling and like, oh yeah, I can't wait for you to get in trouble. The Grease <laughs> musical is he's about trying to, to start. He's trying to re- yeah. Yeah, he's, he's trying to relive the glory days when he was a kicker on the high school football team. Oh jeez, yeah, exactly. You know, feeling all that detention, you know, the the detention environment, and he's like, oh boy. Old, old Teach is going to come in and give us a, a talking to. You're you're going to get it now. That was what he was saying in his head. It's definitely taken right from the script. Yeah. So just like yeah, all these people, <laughs> man. The only one is the other girl, Jenny. She's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with her. Perry White. Old per- Jenny Olsen. Yeah, or Jenny. Je- what is, is that her last name in this? Jenny Olsen, yep. No, she was originally meant to be the replacement for Jimmy Olsen, and then they backed out of it in Man of Steel when they actually had Jimmy Olsen, or sorry, in Batman v Superman when they actually had Jimmy Olsen and killed him. Yeah, because I... But she, I, was, she was originally supposed to be the replacement for Jimmy Olsen. So did they keep the last name no, for her? No, her name wasn't Olsen when I looked it up. In the script, it was Jenny oh, Olsen. S- Slate. It's Jenny Slate. Nope, that's an actual actress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't matter. So that's I did. That, I, wow, I'm surprised that no, slipped, she's cool. slipped by me. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, so. it was an interesting thing where there was like a backlash because they changed the race and gender of of Jimmy Olsen and all the people who, for some reason, care about Jimmy Olsen being, being <laughs> a white scrawny guy. I guess uh, had like a weird freak out over that. This explains why he was killed off. You guys want Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, it was it was that whole thing where he's like, "Ah, oh, screw you! If you want Jimmy Olsen, here he is." Ha, huh, psych. Yeah, you know I'm what? Yeah, personally, no. I'm a fan of that. I wow. Now I'm like cool. Um, <laughs> give me one second. I don't know why this. What was that? Is that good? That was it, weird. It, it sounded like someone was calling you. Oh, that was weird. Okay, I think we're good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that now. I like that. Um. That kind of makes more sense that, you know, people, there'd be some backlash about uh, gender reversal for a character. And it's like, well, you want to be punks about liberties of storytelling? Well, we're just going to, we'll include your, you know, white male heterosexual character and we'll just kill him off in the first, you know, 20 minutes. So deal with that. So now I'm kind of like, you know what? Yep. Go for it. I was usually. Although they did, they did back out. They did back out of it and retroactively change her last name. They still, yeah, they still changed it. Hmm. Yeah, they, it's it's so weird. Like, cause you'd think that with them killing off Jimmy Olsen, they'd be like, all right, we're just gonna keep Jenny as as Olsen, and 
not worry about it because we killed off Jimmy Olsen. But uh, yeah, it, they've retroactively gone after and said, no, no, no. Her name wasn't Olsen, even though we had it published as Olsen and it was in the script as Olsen. Her last name is Jerwich. Ah, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Jeez. Um, now, uh, see, I, I wonder if the whole Olsen last name would have just raised more questions as to, you know, aside from gender reversal and, and whatnot, but would they be like, are they related? Uh, what's the deal here? Like, I don't know. And that's just an argument that I yeah, don't yeah. want to be a part of. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, like two people in the same universe that have last names, they gotta be related, you yeah. know? Oh, you gotta be related somehow. Like, no, nah, man, maybe that dude just has the same last name. Why don't you like step off? Yeah. So, but enough of the Daily Planet staff because we gotta talk about more Daily Planet staff. We gotta talk about Perry White and Lois Lane getting into a heated argument about the story being leaked. It's not really an argument; it's a one-sided fist fight. Um. But, you know, I really like the dichotomy between these two people, Perry White and Lois Lane. I feel like they have this nice back and forth most of the time. It doesn't happen in this minute or in, like, the next minute um, because we're dealing with an, a, a very defeated Lois Lane in this minute, which is very odd. Um, we'll get more into that. But I do overall like their um, back and forth throughout the entire uh, universe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, and I think I think that uh, Lawrence Fishburne was probably the best choice they could have made for uh, Perry White. Like he's he's got that attitude that like he just he looks like a disgruntled newspaper editor. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. He's not he's not very brushed up. He's really scraggly, like you know, but very stern and authoritative. It's it's a great uh, it's a great look for him. Yeah, yeah. he's a good boss. I'm uh, <laughs> I I've not yeah. I've not been disappointed by. Uh, I think Zack Snyder is an amazing does an amazing job with his team on casting the right people for the right roles, and I think mm-hmm. they nail it every time. Um, there hasn't been one that I'm really like, oh, I don't know if he should have been that or she should have been this. I think overall, all solid choices. Um, even Jesse Eisenberg. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm on that train. With yeah, you. I think it's it yeah. Fits I actually well. I loved the casting of Jesse Eisenberg. He, oh, he might have cool. done some weird things with it, but I loved that casting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's all I got for this minute. They really get into it in the next minute, so I don't know if there's anything in this right now that you guys want to talk about between them, between no. Perry and Lois. No, no, I'll save it. Nope. Yeah, me too. All right. Alrighty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. If you love what you hear, don't forget to leave us a great review. We'll read it on the podcast for all our listeners to hear. Um, don't forget to check out Jason's podcast, The Living Dead Minute, and uh, Savage Land. Don't forget to check out all the shows that they do on That Might Be Cool. And uh, if you're looking for some other podcasts, there's the Stellar Dynamics podcast, the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things Rush, where every episode they dedicate all their music theory knowledge into one album by Rush, go track by track through them all, and they uh, you can listen to the song play and the deep dive into that song and what was going on during the time so it was really cool but at the same time it's really funny and then we also have honey hold my beer uh two gals who share craft beer craft beers and odd stories so definitely want to give that one a chance uh it's a hilarious podcast and there's really no structure to that one they just they just go off on these weird stories and it's, it's such a ride so yeah definitely check those out guys and we'll catch you guys tomorrow on dc cinematic minute